Welcome back to the What's My Play Sports Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Justin. And we're just here to recap the end of the uh, 2021 fantasy football season. Uh, kick it off right now. Who was the biggest deal of the draft for you? Biggest deal of the draft was definitely Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, there are a lot of fantasy leagues where he wasn't even drafted. If he was drafted, it was probably taken in probably the last round or two of your league. And over the last five games of this year, he had no less than 11 targets in every single game, no less than seven catches in every single game, and was top five wide receiver to end of the year and probably helped your team out a lot in the playoffs. I mean... So are you, are you saying just because he's on your team or in general? Just because in general. I mean, he... Because... He, he ended the season... As wide receiver 24 on a total points basis, it was right around wide receiver 30 on a points per game basis. But I mean, again, we've been saying it this entire podcast, the end of the season is when you see rookies really start to shine. And yeah, you, I mean, outside of the 60 point game from Jamar Chase, no other rookie wide receiver shined as much as Amon Ross St. Brown did. I mean, you definitely season. hit it on the head that the back end of the season... He, he was a huge difference maker for anyone that had him. I still think Cooper Cup's the steal of the draft, simply because I think Cooper Cup, you're expecting him to be 15, 16 points per game, and he averaged 27. He outperformed his uh, probably projected average by 10 points per game and didn't get injured the whole year, which I think a lot of people would always be concerned about with him. Uh, Amon Ra averaged 14 points per game, but obviously down the stretch was averaging like 25 a game. Uh, huge difference in the playoffs and probably the biggest steal from a playoff perspective. But and I would say biggest for a whole season, I don't think so. The ADP, because we're talking about a guy that well, yeah, just wasn't overall even ADP drafted yeah. at the beginning of the year to a guy that I'm I'm expecting to go probably round in the first five, five, round six, six rounds yeah. next year. Like a guy that I mean, he had. I want to say 57 targets over his last five games. And Jared Goff came out on record to say that mm-hmm. Amon Ross St. Brown has become his security blanket. Yes, there will be concern about what his target share will look like next year when TJ Hawkinson's, Hawkinson's back. back. DeAndre Swift actually played in their last game, and it yeah, didn't make a you, difference. You do have to wonder if Detroit ends up drafting a wide receiver, though. Yeah, there, that's, there, there's the, a, that's, that's probably the big worry, because the they, they don't have an outside receiver. But that's the other thing that I would be not so concerned about, is Amon Ross St. Brown has... He's dominated the slot. He's is the he will be the slot guy going forward yeah. next year. He and he has Jared Goff as a yeah, quarterback. He, the dude likes re- to throw. Realistically, slot he's he he has become a wide receiver that next year you're probably drafting him as like your third choice wide receiver with upside. I think um, him going into next year had the same kind of value that you would have for Cooper Cup. Prior to this year, because obviously Cooper mm-hmm. Cup went from being a fifth, sixth round guy who's been drafted like that every single year to obviously this year he will be the number one receiver off the board next year. Yeah. If you question it, you're stupid. I mean, no one was close to him this year. But I think Amon Ross St. Brown, you kind of saw it. He gets a lot of targets, but not a lot of air yards. Yeah, ne- next game I just kind of want to like, next name I just want to jump straight to, just to kind of mention. Debo Samuel 
drafted in our draft in round eight for a 10 team league. Uh, next year, he's going to be going in the second round. Uh, he did not have a single game this year that he played where he had less than 12 point or 11 points in fantasy, and that was one week against Arizona when San Fran struggled a little bit. Uh, most of the season, he's getting uh, or he's getting several targets. There were a few games where he didn't get as many targets, but in those games, they were running the ball through him, and he was actually stepping into the backfield. I will say... Uh, he, he, the one other thing I, I'll kind of mention is he did seem a little bit touchdown dependent at times. I think the one concern that I would have for Debo going into next year is among those among the games this year where Trey Lance was actually the starter, the number one target with Trey Lance at quarterback was actually Brandon Ayuk on the season. Yeah. So I would be a little hesitant to want to see kind of what their rapport turns into going into next year but if i mean if jimmy g's still there and he's still the guy mm -hmm. yeah debo's a debo's a bona fide top 10 receiver with you know top five upside just because of the yeah. added rushing ability that he yeah. has you're you're looking back in second beginning a third if maybe yeah. you're lucky that he slips jamar chase is the other name that kind of from a wide receiver standpoint ended up in that top class of wide receivers but wasn't really expected to it's just yeah. hard to predict a rookie wide receiver putting up wide receiver one numbers and obviously he ended the season with a bang yeah. uh he does he he is a little bit boomer bust so there are games where he's just he he just goes missing but he's had multiple 30 point games this year where he just kind of pops off and he just wins a fantasy week for your team um, so I wanted to kind of mention him. Um, yeah. Any other wide receivers that come to mind for you? Yeah. Uh, one other guy that I want to mention, and I to me it's not as much of a surprise where he ended up, but Deontay Johnson's been a receiver for the last three years who has consistently finished right around wide receiver 10. But he continues to go in rounds 5, 6, and 7, drafted closer to wide receiver 20 in the last three mm -hmm. years, and it just keeps happening. Obviously, Steelers are going to lose Big Ben this year. His value is going to go down. But my other thought was that, can you really say that Big Ben did anything out of the ordinary as a quarterback? I mean, honestly, he was a subpar quarterback for the majority of the year. Yes, there's concern that the chemistry with whoever steps into the quarterback spot next year isn't going to be the same, but, I mean, it's a Mike Tomlin-led offense. They're going to throw the ball. I, I And Deontay Johnson is far and away the best receiver that the Steelers have, and so I would expect him to be a guy that volume alone is going to keep him in that top 10 category. And I think he's a guy that, again, going into next year, because of the uncertainties, I, I think Deontay Johnson just like this year, is going to outperform his ADP. Yeah, it, it will be interesting to see the wide receiver situation as well. Juju getting hurt, Juju definitely. Juju will be gone. His yeah, he, he will be gone, but like the They're question is, will, will they bring in someone else? I you, mean, you, uh, you yeah. never know. That I, I'm not saying that they it's going to be somebody that has significant yeah. like volume potential, they but need, somebody else who could take up some targets. They need to bring in a nice veteran. Because... But that's the question. Yeah. Will they? Um, I I thought you were going to take it a different route with the final name. I was going to say Mike Williams. 
Um, obviously had what I would call a uh, mid-year slump. Uh, he started off the year ridiculously hot um, and then had a mid-year slump and then cleaned it up a little bit at the end. I mean, you were drafting him round 11, around 12, or even farther back at that point. So, I mean, people got really good value out of him, um, albeit especially at the beginning of the year. Um, but I, I don't think there's too much to mention there. Yeah. He's going to be a boomer bus guy. My one worry is that people are going to be drafting him in rounds five or six when he should probably be seven, eight, nine next year. Because um, we kind of saw him come down to earth quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, moving on to running backs. Uh, who's the big win for you? Honestly, Fournette, Mitchell. I, I, I think Fournette, barring his injury in terms of players you drafted, Mitchell has to be the running back steal of fantasy football just because he was a guy that wasn't even getting Yeah, he, 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 he was, was a waiver wire pickup in He was like fourth on the depth chart going into the season, and then they had an injury to Jeff Wilson, and then it was supposed to be uh, Raheem Moster and Trey Sermon going into the season. And then Raheem Hoster got hurt. And then it was supposed to be Trey Sermon. And it, it just it, it became the Elijah Mitchell show from like week three on. Yeah, the, the one thing interesting kind of to note, um, and I'm not sure if we can say that Elijah Mitchell was a was more of an MVP for a fantasy team than Fournette. Elijah Mitchell did miss a lot of time in the middle of the year. One thing to note with both of these guys was they only played in one of the three playoff weeks for fantasy football. And that just kind of shows you how inconsistent uh, running backs... Fournette didn't even play. He got hurt before week one of fantasy playoffs. Uh, I didn't have him week one of fantasy 13. playoffs. 13.7 points in the first week of fantasy football playoffs. Uh, but he got injured midway through that game. Um and then missed the next two weeks after that. Um, and obviously they haven't played Carolina in the final round. Um, wow. But surprised yeah. I won that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, I can't believe I made it out of the first week of playoffs because I lost both my running backs in the first in the first week of playoffs because I lost Henderson and yeah. Fournette. Well, that was probably your wide receiver court. Well, did you even have? Oh. You, it's because Kelsey, Kelsey dropped 45. Kelsey dropped the bomb, yeah. That's what it was. That's what it was, yeah. Kel Kelsey think, came up huge, and then I think Jefferson it was a disappointment. as well. And yeah, I'm, I, I'm pulling it up now. No, your second highest scorer was Keenan Allen with less than 20. You had one player. You only scored 131 points in the first round, but you played Bieber, and you had wow. nobody. <laughs> Damn, that's tough. I can't believe I would have made it to round two with all the injuries. I yeah, well, and and then it, it hurt even more that you lost Kelsey in round two. Yeah, this year as a whole was just kind of a weird year, wasn't it? I think this year has really shown everybody that good handcuffs can win you an entire fantasy league. Because, I mean... There were just so many, like, I mean, the weeks that Henderson missed, Sony Michelle became a league MVP in those off days. I mean, he had an insane couple yeah. of games. Elijah Mitchell, when he played, was fantastic. Down when, the stretch, uh, Rashad Penny has been Rashad really good, Rashad Penny's too. been really good. When Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been out, Daryl Williams. Williams has been really good. <laughs> Daryl Williams is better than Clyde. 
I, I, just I, K- I stand to say yeah, it because K- Casey just ha- doesn't understand When it. Clyde plays, I don't know if it's they're not utilizing him correctly, but he he just doesn't the efficiency that he has when he plays is just not the same when Williams plays. Williams' use in the receiving game is so much more prevalent than what Clyde gets, which I think is kind of a weird expectation because Clyde mm-hmm. coming out of college was a guy you were expecting to get good receiving use as a three down back and they don't really use him like that. But when Williams takes over the starting job and when Clyde's out with injury, Williams gets a lot of usage as a receiving back. Yeah, and I was gonna say I'm just kinda looking at it right now. I don't know the exact number from looking at it, but in games where Daryl Williams had at least ten carries, he averaged more than seventeen points per game. Uh, so he is extremely fit, efficient with his touch with his touches yeah. in general. Um, so handcuffs again really important, um, and there are probably a lot of leagues where they made a difference. I know in ours, Elijah Mitchell as a waiver wire pickup, and then Daryl Williams helped out a lot. James Connor was another one yeah. who was huge throughout the season. Um, that's another name worth mentioning. He finished the season averaging fifteen a game and. Chase Edmonds played in ten or ten or eleven of those game of those seventeen games or yeah. sixteen games, or yeah, seventeen games. So, mm-hmm. or, no, sixteen, and then they play a seventeenth next week. But anyways, that's besides the point. Um, yeah, handcuffs are really important, and you should always be kind of paying attention to those situations, especially with COVID being a thing right now. Handcuffs mm-hmm. are just so important because it's, I yeah. mean. Players will miss one game, not because of injury or anything, just because they're not allowed to be there. So you, I, 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 I want to ask you though, what do you think happens with the Dallas backfield next year? Uh, I think it stays the same. I think you will see a majority touches for Zeke, but I mean, uh, what's his? Uh, I, I think Pollard again will handle a lot of the receiving work. And then we'll come in as a change of pace back. I think it'll split. And then as the season goes on, I would expect there to be some kind of shift. Yeah, because you're going to be getting towards the end of Zeke's contract and everything else. And I don't think... They're either going to try to run him out and then move on from him. Or it's going to be sort of a standoffish type thing, potentially. Yeah, it depends on how... If they want to stick to the workhorse type running back or if they're going to try and transition. Because, I mean, there are certain teams in the NFL that just, you know, they refuse to do anything but a workhorse. Like, you look at the Steelers. Najee Harris had the most touches in the NFL this year as a rookie. Mm. And the Steelers have a terrible offensive line to begin with, and yet they still choose to push the ball through the running back. And I felt like... The Cowboys were a team in previous years that had done that, and then this year they kind of switched to being more of a split backfield. And so the question is, do they see Pollard as someone who can be a three-down workhorse? Yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens there. The other situation that's kind of similar is the Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon situation. Uh, But as as we've kind of discussed before getting on this podcast – 
a lot depends on what happens with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams mm. moving forward. That'll heavily impact things. I think the biggest backfield to actually look out for next year, though, that I think is going to be quite the uh, the unfolding is going to be what's going to happen in L.A. for the Rams. Because uh, they got so- Daryl Henderson, who had a great first half of the year, got injured. Sony Michelle came in and absolutely tore it up. And now you got Cam Akers coming back from his Achilles injury. And, I mean, before last season ended, the last, like, five or six games of the season, Cam Akers was a top-five back projected to go in the second round of this year's draft until his injury. It's going to be messy, and it's going to be one of those things where unless the Rams outright say this person's going to be starting for us, all three of these guys are going to be going, like, sixth, seventh, eighth round People are going to be taking kind of flyers on them, hoping that they're the one that yeah. wins the position. And it's it's bad, too, because they're all guys that have proven that they can be the guy. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you can look at them and go, oh, so-and-so only went off because of injury. Like, you look at Sony Michelle and realize that it wasn't just a, a one game he came in to step in for Henderson. Because no. when Henderson came back before he got put on IR, it was a straight split backfield at that point. It went from... 85% snap count for Henderson and like a 10% for Michelle for the first half of the season to it being a straight like 50-50 split for when Henderson was back and then he got hurt again and then Michelle went back to doing what he was doing. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was a straight workhorse in, in LA. And then, yeah, one injury happens and the next thing you know, you got a dual-headed backfield going into the playoffs that's going to turn into a three-headed backfield like it's yeah it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out moving on to quarterbacks is there a name in particular you want to kind of shout out for being kind of surprising that they had the season they had i think the biggest surprise is going to be jalen hurts he was a guy drafted honestly probably in the last like five or six rounds of fantasy leagues like past round 10 Mm -hmm. he Finished as what he was top top ten back for sure in points game. Yeah, he 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 finished tenth in points per game. And so that was a big one. I think obviously you're going to have to watch to see if he's still going to be the starter in Philly because just because he's a good fantasy quarterback doesn't exactly mean that his production in the NFL is going to keep his starting job. But as an Eagles fan, he's not good enough throwing the ball to to be a starting QB in the NFL, in my opinion. He's an athlete. I think he should be more of a Taysom Hill-type role. But you have no clue what the Eagles are actually going to do. They love to run the ball, so he may fit the scheme better than a lot of other options that they could find out there, especially yeah. with a uh, weak QB class coming in the draft. Oh, yeah. And then... Tom Brady would probably be the other one. He finished QB2 and was drafted... Probably around like round 10, 11, 12 for most leagues. Um, obviously, any time you're going to be drafting somebody in their mid 40s, you're taking a risk that it's going to be the year that they finally decline. Um, Tom Brady being one of those. Um, plus, you don't know if Anto- the Antonio Brown situation, I'd be kind of surprised if he's still there next year. Yeah, and um, with less weapons and another year older. You um, also have to look at the fact that 
I, I find it hard to believe that Godwin will be good to go by the beginning of next season, seeing as what, he, he tore his Achilles or his ACL? Uh, yeah, I want to say it was his Achilles, but let me pull that up real quick. Yeah, I mean, he, he got injured, a massive injury. ACL and MCL. Oh, yeah. So there's um, a very good chance I would not expect Godwin to be ready to go by the beginning of next year. I don't. I, it, I was gonna say with how ACLs have been going more recently in recovery, I think he'll be ready to go by the beginning of the year. But I'm not sure how game ready he'll be. He may have like a snap count type thing. We'll have to kind of wait and see how the recovery goes. But yeah, either way, it's gonna be a decline in weapons from this year. He gonna yeah, like like you say, you get a little bit older. It's just one of those things. I wouldn't expect him to perform quite as well as he did this year, but, I mean, then again, I don't think anyone expected him to perform as good as he did this year coming into the season. So, I mean, it, it, nah, Father he, Time could keep it going for however long he wants to. Yeah, I mean, he'll be 45 next year. I mean, how long can he go? It's kind of yeah. crazy. But, I mean, that's kind of it for the main steals. I mean, Hunter Renfro is a good name to kind of mention really consistent value um across or just from a week-to-week -week basis he was really consistent um sort of like that julian edelman type role where like he didn't seem to have a b bad game but didn't have a, any like real th I, he may have had one 30 point game all year yeah. um but like just another name to kind of mention moving on to probably the more fun part now let's talk about some of the guys that just destroyed fantasy teams because they Alan were Alan Robinson. <laughs> it's not even close. I I mean, he came into this year, everyone's thinking, oh, you got a new quarterback in Justin Fields. You got Andy Dalton. I mean, it, it can't be that bad, right? He's always had terrible quarterbacks, and he's always managed to be one of the best receivers in fantasy. And I mean, we're talking about a guy drafted in the third or fourth round of leagues this year that honestly – after like the third or fourth week of the season was a guy that you could have dropped to the waiver wire and had zero regrets about. I mean, he just sucked this year. It was it, it, the yeah, volume he, wasn't there, nor was the normal efficiency big play that you would see from Allen Robinson. I was just gonna say, and nothing. then there was a number of games where he didn't even really see the field. He had yeah. either had no targets or just didn't play at all. He missed. Yeah. Uh, that, that's fine. And another thing that also was really shocking to see is that I don't even think it was a point where you could blame the offense for it because, I mean, Darnell Mooney had himself what I would kind of consider a breakout year. I mean, he was – him and Justin Fields were on the same page just about every game they yeah. played together. Darnell Mooney will be kind of an interesting sleeper pick next year. Yeah. Um, Allen Robinson, uh, he, he did he sign a one-year deal with Chicago this year, so he's a free agent next year? I'm not too sure, but if not, I would still expect Allen Robinson to be going out the door. So, I mean, yeah, it's, who knows? It, he could be a post-type sleeper next year, depending on who he signs with. Maybe he actually joins a team with a competent quarterback for once in his career. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I was going to say, the fact that his best years and from a productivity standpoint were Blake, Blake Bortles, Bortles and, and uh, Andy Dalton, right? Pretty much. Or was it Mitchell Trubisky? It was Trubisky. <laughs> that, that, yeah, he had... Well, had, it was half and half last year. I think it was half. Yeah, either way, <laughs> it, it, his quarterbacks have always been kind of unreliable, but this year, it, it, it took he, it to yeah, a new level. Yeah. It was it was bad. 
So an- another, just moving on to a different bust guy, uh, Saquon Barkley dropped it in most leagues in the first. Maybe a few leagues he dropped to the second because of the injury concerns, and that obviously played an issue as he missed four games in fantasy. Uh, but I mean, even when he was playing, he had he was only averaging 12 points per game for a guy that you're really hoping when you draft that high to be averaging 20. Yeah. Um, I think in- obviously playing for the Giants is never going to be great, and he does get a decent amount of volume on a week-to-week basis. But like, you really can't trust drafting this guy any earlier than probably what the fourth round next year. Um, and, and that's if you're trying to take a big sling. I mean, most running backs that average 12, 13 a game, you're drafting them in round eight or nine. Obviously, you're going to be drafting them much higher than that because it's Saquon Barkley, yeah. and he's going to have volume. But... I will say it also didn't help that the Giants' O-line was pretty much hurt all year. Not saying that their O-line is helpful all the least. It, their starters are still more helpful than the backups. And something that I think was kind of taken for granted for is Daniel Jones. Because, man, I never realized how fucking bad Mike Glennon is at football. <laughs> oh, my God. That gosh. was bad. Like, it, their team just dealt with a lot of injuries. I mean, their entire receiving core. I, I don't think there was a game this year that all three of their starters were on the field. Because Sterling mm-hmm. Shepard was injured pretty yeah. much all year. Kenny Galladay was injured Every other game, Kadarius Tony was getting hurt. Once he finally got to the field, got hurt every other game afterwards. I mean, they, they couldn't keep a healthy weapon on the field to save their lives. And when, you, when you're the star running back of the team and your team has no starting quarterback and are on your fourth and fifth string receivers... I mean, you're going to have the box stacked against you no matter what you want to do. Because yeah. you don't have I, a single I, another, weapon on another the Another name to kind of mention that may have ruined people's fantasy seasons is Calvin Ridley. It wasn't off to, like, a bad start. And it's not even, like, injury or poor play. It was just kind of unfortunate that he, he's he been struggling mentally. And, I mean, obviously you got to do what you got to do to take care yeah. of yourself. But, I mean, for people drafting him second third round um you basically lost the player for a whole year it's like a season-ending injury basically yeah. he ruined a lot of teams no there, i think there are a lot of guys that kind of fall fell. into that because i mean aj aj uh brown his issue i mean he had half the season he was on ir yeah. which hurt him derrick henry missed the back end of the season cmc I, didn't even henry. play once again for the season he played like four games yeah like that. i mean like, I mean, any time a player gets injured, yeah. I mean, that hurts your chances significantly. And we're talking big names, first-round picks, mm-hmm. like Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey. Derrick Henry, though, the first half of the season, oh, my Lord. That wasn't he, fair. That, yeah, he, he was just the best. He, he was the most valuable player in fantasy. And over the course of the first eight games of the season, he was averaging two and a half receptions for 20 yards a game. Like, yeah, he, he like into an additional goal. four points to, like, be guaranteed 20 points on the ground. That, that kind of brings me to the next big bust that I just thought about. Julio Jones. <laughs> Another guy drafted in fourth, fifth, sixth round. And, I mean, yes, injuries did not help him. But even when he was on the field, that, there was nothing. He had, was it the second game of the season, he broke 100 yards on, like, five catches. 
Mm-hmm. The volume was never there, and the efficiency was never there. It just... It, something about him not playing with Matt Ryan just it, it didn't look right. It, I, I, th- old... I think some of it's too is injuries take a toll. You're getting into your 30s. The explosion's no yeah. longer there. Um, so I, to, to an extent, I think it's understandable. Um, another guy, and it's from an average standpoint, it's not even so bad. But like he had basically two ga- or three games that were basically fantasy relevant, and then the rest wasn't, and that was Amari Cooper. He ended up averaging 14 points per game this year, but, I mean, when you take a... forty bombs. He, he had 140 bomb and a 30 bomb, um, and then that's really it. He had a couple of games with touchdowns that got him to okay numbers, and he was still viable as a flex guy, but, I mean, Amari Cooper... With Dak Prescott back, a lot of people were wondering if he was going to be, like, a top 10, top 15 wide receiver, See, and he just wasn't. It wasn't. I don't even know if I would say it's just Amari Cooper, because it was the same thing with C.D. Lamb. He was being yeah. drafted even earlier than Amari Cooper, and, I mean, once again, the whole... The whole pass attack just fell apart in Dallas. Yeah, I mean, they, you've heard a lot of frustration from the players in the last couple of weeks. Amari Cooper talking about how they're just not as aggressive of an offense as they need to be they're just not as explosive and i mean oh i think we saw that this year you expect cd lamb coming off of a really strong rookie season amari cooper and then you know a a quarterback like dak prescott coming back to play with them this year you're expecting a lot from that offense, and I mean, there were games where you definitely saw glimpses. I mean, yeah. what was it? Two weeks ago, Dak had 350 yards and like three touchdowns in the first half against Washington, where they just crushed him. Yeah, it's like those are like I'm not saying you're expecting Dak to go for 303 touchdowns in a half every game, but those are kind of the stat lines you would almost expect from Dak. On a on a week to week basis, is a guy that's going to throw for three hundred plus yards and a couple touchdowns, but they were very, very minimal in that department this year. They were not. Yeah, as I mean, I mean, to be fair to Ceedee Lamb, like he averaged sixteen points per game. Um, it was a little bit more consistent than Amari Cooper. Uh, obviously, you're hoping for. A little bit more from him next year. I do wonder. I, I think a lot of people are saying it at this point. Dallas, they're just undisciplined. You don't really know who they are. Yeah. Um, they're clearly talented, but that you you do wonder from a consistency standpoint when you're drafting guys like this, how reliable are they going to be? Um, yeah. And that's going to be kind of a big question moving forward. Um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. People were drafting in the third round. He was a guy, obviously, injury did not help his season. But I, we kind of already alluded to it when talking about Daryl Williams. Mm-hmm. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is really the second best running back with this team and was a little bit touchdown dependent down the stretch because you take away touchdowns in his last five games, he's averaging seven points, eight points per game. And that's just not good enough from a guy that you're drafting in the third round. Um, any other takeaways from this season from a fantasy standpoint? Hmm. 
Travis Kelsey is no longer a first-round pick in any fantasy leagues. And if we're being honest, Tyreek Hill is neither. We'll figure that one out this year after, A, Mahomes kind of looked a little more mortal compared to mm -hmm. the ridiculousness we've seen from him over the last couple of years. And now there are other tight ends that are starting to kind of make that push into that top tight end level. So I think that'll be a, an interesting thing to look at next year is I expect Kelsey to still go number one on the draft boards just because, I mean, on a game-to-game -game basis, uh, he was still probably the most consistent tight end. Granted, Mark Andrews finished the season as tight end one. He also had two 45-point games and two other like high 30-point games that basically overshadowed the rest of his 10-point mm -hmm. performances for the whole year, but... Yeah, I, think, I mean, I, I still think Travis Kelsey's going to be the first yeah. tight end off the board. It'll be close, because I think Mark Andrews may have a shout. I think um, we also... Because Mark Andrews, I'm pretty sure, finished tight end one or two this year, right? Actually, he finished tight end one. Yeah. But uh, the other thing is, I mean, Waller, Waller had a couple of big games this year, but he, the Ravers' offense struggled a lot, so he's no, yep. there's no way he's going in the ADP he went last year. No, Kittle and was Kittle injured for going, a couple of games. But, but even when Kittle played, he was not impressive at I, all. I do wonder how much of that was Trey Lance throwing the ball. Um, Trey Lance didn't seem even, to want to throw the ball ever. Even with Jimmy, though, it oh, wasn't it, like it, he was... When, when Jimmy was thrown, that was when Kittle had the two big games where he scored 80 points over the course of two weeks. Yeah, I, I so. just simply think the the thing with Kittle is what stands him, what makes him less valuable in fantasy leagues is actually what makes him more valuable in football is he's the best blocking tight end in football. He's, yeah, he's, he's a really monster. Good. He runs people over. And so playing in that 49ers offense, they're going to have just so many run packages that He's just going to be a guy that I think his volume is never going to reach the level of a guy like Travis Kelsey or, you know, even the volume that I think a guy like Kyle Pitts is going to end up commanding because Kyle Pitts is never going to be on the line of scrimmage okay. blocking like George Kittle. So before we kind of wrap up this season, let's do a too early. Who are your top 10 guys to draft next year? For the first round, first 10 picks. No. Are we doing a specific order? Yes or no? Uh, we can name them first, and then we can kind of discuss it as we go. Okay. Uh, I mean, right off the bat, I think one and two are Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor. Correct? Yeah. Jonathan Taylor's definitely going one next year. Because he stayed healthy. As yeah. long as Derrick Henry comes back in the playoffs and there are no setbacks to his foot injury, he will yeah. go number two. He I, should go number two. I do wonder if Derrick Henry in first game back runs for 150 yards and three touchdowns, you could give him some running back one looks. I think, yeah, I think Derrick Henry will deserve RB1 looks as long as there are no setbacks. And then Jonathan Taylor is definitely the next best. I think CMC is still going to fall in the top five just because of the upside is way too, way too much. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if, he can, if he can stay healthy, he's 25 a game comfortably. Yeah, but, if he but, stays but that, healthy, that, that's I think the big question. He locks himself in as RB1 again as long as he can stay healthy. I mean, he, his usage mm. is just beyond ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, um, Dalvin Cook is still going to be a top guy. 
Uh, Alvin Kamara should be top five again. A- Eckler I... probably falls into the top ten now as well. Who? Austin Eckler. Yeah, uh, Eckler should go up. I think Cooper Cup has pushed himself into that top ten. I mean, he mm-hmm. the, the the season he had was just not fair. I mean, he what for the first eleven games he became the first receiver in history to average 10 catches and 100 yards per game through the first 10 games of the season. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was absurd. So just let's just do a quick head count. Uh, top three are the CMC, Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor group. Then in the next group after that, you're talking prop, Cooper Cups may even have a shot at going middle of the first round along with Dalvin Cook, Kamar, and Eckler. So that puts us at seven names I right there. I think there's one guy that we didn't list that I think goes ahead of most of those guys you just listed, and that's Najee Harris. Najee, yeah, because I mean, of the volume. Le- yeah, he led the NFL in touches this year as a rookie. His O-line was already terrible to begin with, so that's not really much of an excuse for me to want to keep him out of that spot. Mm-hmm. I think it, I, also I, losing Big Ben, you could see them rely even more on the run next I, I, year. I just wonder if that hurts his PPR value a little bit. Because, um, I mean, basically every game this year, barring week one, he had multiple receptions. Um, so I do wonder if that's going to hurt him a little bit. I personally would prefer Eckler over Harris, simply because I think Eckler has a little bit more guarantee in him than Najee Harris um but I think that's going to be one of those ones where it could kind of go you could see him going either way in drafts now historically I'm also I've always been kind of high on Austin Eckler in general um but yeah so Najee Harris puts us at eight and so other names that you're going to be considering uh on the wide receiver front you got Justin Jefferson you got Jamar Chase you got Tyreek Hill uh, Devontae Adams. Devonte Adams gets in if he's playing with Rodgers. It's as simple yeah, as that. Depending on where he is next um, year will depend on where you draft. So, so theoretically, that would make nine. Um, and then as for running backs after that, I mean, the running backs kind of got decimated this year, so it's hard to say. Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon were up there. Nick Chubb was up there. I think DeAndre Swift could be a guy I looked at. If I had to pick, Zeke, Aaron Jones are probably on the decline. I think, man, that is a really tough. I, I, I think Joe Mixon, personally, for me, is the guy I would take over Swift and. Uh, he's the top running back of those guys listed, but my thing with are, that, are you taking Justin Jefferson over Joe Mixon? I think so. I mean, I think it depends on just how the rest of the board has fallen. And I mean, pe- like, the other thing is people are going to be really high on Tyreek Hill. There's yeah. there's a chance he slides in at that time. I think, spot. though, I mean, just looking at how the Bengals have played this year, I mean, they've gotten... They, they, they blew out expectations for the entire season. I mean, I don't think anyone saw them winning the... Winning their division, you know what I mean? Like, no one no, saw them winning you, the you division. Were, you were projecting them third or fourth in the division at the beginning and of the then, season. Yeah, they go out, they win the division. I think their team only really gets better going into next year because I, I, I don't, from what I know, I don't think they're losing anyone too big. No, and the big if, thing is, can they fix the offensive line a little and bit I more? Think if they do that, that offense is just The thing scary. is, too, is... 
they, they don't have any room for any of these sexy picks anymore. You know, they're not going to waste their first round pick on a quarterback or a receiver again because they have three really solid receivers locked in for the future. They got their quarterback and running back of the future. So at mm-hmm. this point, it, it's, it's, it's defense. defense and O-line. And I mean, and, their well, defense was surprisingly It was respectable. Than, yeah. yeah. And so I think... Here, here's a fun fact for you. Cincinnati, as of right now, is the number five offense in fantasy and scoring. I'm not surprised about that it's at all. It's crazy. I think, but that's what I mean. I think, you know, they got the weapons that they want Joe Burrow to have. And now, I mean, unless... Who is Zach Taylor? Is he the, the coach in Cincinnati? Yeah, I believe so. If Zach Taylor still wants to keep his head coaching job. He's going to have to keep his star quarterback protected. And I think without, you know, you can't risk Joe Burrow's injury a second time. No. You know, they passed up on Penny Sewell this year, but obviously the rookie season Jamar Chase had, no one can really be mad about that pick. No. But you can't go and do something like that again, especially when you already have T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd. I mean, if you go out and draft another skill position player on the offense in with your first-round pick again, I mean, it, it, at that point, extra weapons are no longer going to make your team better because these extra weapons aren't going to see the field. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how ADP sort of shakes out as we get closer to the season. Obviously, once you get to the turn of the first round, there's a lot of good players that could slide into the back end mm-hmm. of the tenth round or of the first round. I think the top eight are pretty set in stone. Tavante Adams being the one question mark, depending on quarterback situation. Also, um, depending on if there's any. Super favorable running backs that get drafted to a super favorable position, like like Najee mm-hmm. going to Pittsburgh this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Who are the? Are there any running backs coming out of college that are standout per se? I don't know. I haven't watched much college football this year to really know that that there's anyone that's supposed to be you know ridiculously good, but. Yeah, let me let me pull it up real quick it's to see if there's any happens, names though, off the top I mean, of my head. Outside of Najee Harris and Saquon, pretty much every other running back that has been drafted in the first round has kind of been a dud. Travis Etienne got hurt. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has not lived up to anything he was supposed to be. What was it? The Patriots drafted Sonny Michelle in the first round a couple of years back. That didn't work out too well. Like... It doesn't. It's not so much that rookie running backs need to be highly touted coming out of college. It's whatever right rookie running back ends up yeah. in the right situation. I mean, you will find yourself in the first two rounds of a fantasy draft. I mean, it's just one of those things that I expect to happen again. There will be one or two running backs that are going to get drafted pretty highly, most likely on draft boards because of where they get drafted. Yeah, I, I think teams have learned as well that you really shouldn't be taking a running back early in the first yeah. round of a draft. So the best running backs do tend to fall to the bottom of the first round. I'm looking at mocks right now. No running backs projected in the first round That's it should for be. the mocks that I'm looking at. 
So it, it'll it'll be on a case by case basis. But if there's nobody being projected in the first round, it's probably unlikely that anyone, even if drafted to a really good situation, is being drafted in the first round. I mean, look at Najee Harris. Um, he was last year. I think his ADP was right around somewhere between 15 and 18, and he was drafted to a very favorable position and was a really well known name. Well, um, I mean, yeah, running backs aren't going to go in the first. No, round they, they definitely won't. Saquon Barkley getting drafted second overall, like that's a that's a you know the most athletically gifted running back we had seen in decades. Getting drafted second overall, you knew he was going to be the focal point of that offense. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you look at Jonathan Taylor. He was drafted on day two, like most running backs do. And he was in a situation, though, where no one really knew if he was going to be the outright starter his rookie season because Marlon Mack was still there. Naheem Hines was a really good receiving back. And then he had his rookie season like every other rookie running back does. The end of the season, he kind of got the keys to the to the offense, and mm-hmm. then we saw what yep. happened this year. So, I mean, rookies in favorable matchups, it's just there's usually some give or take because obviously rookies are going to have games where they're not going to be, you know, they're getting kind of the training wheels off, you know, the trial and error. But I think, you know, teams like the Texans, the Dolphins, they're definitely in need of running backs. I mean, the Lions are finally set. I don't know. I'm sure the Eagles are probably going to end up going for a running back because I highly doubt they're going to re-sign Miles Sanders. Yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of yeah, see what happens. I think there's. Gonna uh, be a I lot. mean, the Eagles won't be a great fantasy situation just because they like to be. Uh, they like to have backfield by committee if possible. Um, they're all about kind of having depth at every position. Um, but yeah, I think that just about wraps it up for this year's uh, 2021 fantasy football uh, recap. But uh, please tune in again next week. We'll be on to other sports topics and other discussions. And we may even be talking about the uh, NFL playoffs and who we like for those. So please tune again in again to the What's My Play Sports podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Justin. And we are out. Thank you.